Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, This was an episode that I recorded with Christian Klepp on the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. A cool show, a great topic. Um, We covered LinkedIn strategy, how you can execute as a B2B company or even uh, a personal brand. Um, Talked about my standpoint on B2B websites uh, and how they need to be more buyer-centric. I think that's really important, and I think a lot of companies 100% 100% are company focused as opposed to um, making it easy for their buyer. So we, we jump into those topics and a bunch more on the show and I hope you enjoy it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the B2B Marketers and the Mission podcast where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host Christian Klepp and today I'm pretty excited to welcome a guest into the show who is on, um, in fact on a mission um, and his mission is to build and develop amazing websites. But I'd like to throw in another caveat because he likes to put himself and his company out there as website developers that get B2B marketing. Oh, sweet relief. (laughs) Coming to us from upstate New York, Mr. Sam Moss, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you. You have me here. Love doing this stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, like, let's just hop right into it, man, because, you know, we had such a great um, conversation a few weeks ago and, uh, you know, on the topic of building uh, websites for B2B. So just for the um, the benefit of the audience, um, please elaborate. It sounds like such a simple question and I know it's it's not so easy to answer, but what do you believe makes a good website for B2B? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a great B2B website is a website that is buyer-centric and really has empathy for who you're selling to. Um, And what I mean by that is you can't have a website that is all about you, that is what you think the buyer wants to to read or how you think they want to do business with you. A buyer-centric website is a website that is easy to use, that flows, maybe it's lean, it doesn't have a bunch of SEO fluff because you're trying to rank higher. It is a website that has your buyer in mind that you purposefully and intentionally make easy to use and make the, the buying process or the onboarding process easy. Uh, so when it comes to B2B websites, there's just such garbage out there on these websites. And it's, it's overwhelming to land on some of them that you can't even realize, you can't even figure out what some of these companies do because they're, they're just so in the weeds and they think nothing of their buyer and a lot of they're probably losing a lot of business because their websites just aren't clear. I couldn't agree with you more there, man. And, uh, you know, for, uh, for lack of a better description, I was on one the other day and um, the one adjective that came to mind was labyrinth of confusion. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's just, it's just so many layers down. And I, I mean, I'm, I, I'm sure you get this all the time, but for me, like if you, if you have to click seven layers down on a website to look for information, um, it's mm-hmm. to, um, I don't know if you've ever read the book by Donald Miller called Building a Story Brand, but he goes like, if you, yeah, yeah, if you make the person burn calories to find out, or, you know, the answer to the question, what do you do? 
you mm-hmm. pretty much like lost half the battle already. Right. So. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, <laughs> you know, with websites like that, it's you have to be clear up front. And yeah. when you're buyer centric, that means you tell your customers what you do, how you're going to help them and how to buy from you before they even need to scroll. I mean, you can fit all of that above the fold. So you have this is what we do. Hey, we are a SaaS tool that helps with X. And then this is the problem that we solve. We're going to make this easier and then simply put get a demo if that's you know your call to action. I mean, those three things are really all you need above the fold on a website. And so many companies just waste that space or just add, like you mentioned, the, the labyrinth of confusion. And then it's a mess from there and you have to figure out, well, what do they actually do? If you're just clear off the bat, that's thinking about your customer and you're going to, you're going to convert more sales. Absolutely, man. Um, and you know, you know, you probably get this question all the time. I just thought about something while you were, while, while you were talking. Um, why do you think people, or, or at least B2B companies, they're so slow to change this, this older model, right? Like what, why are they still insisting on, I wouldn't say, uh, maybe it's not fair to say like, you know, um, you know, confuse the, uh, the website visitor, but why are they having such a hard time to make that, um, make that, uh, that, that leap, you know, to simplify, uh, you know, to your point, um, that user's journey. I think it's because marketers are textbook overthinkers. And when you overthink something, you overcomplicate it. Um, so when it comes to our messaging, obviously the goal is to be clear and concise. Uh, I think the creativity comes into play with a marketer and they're like, you know what? Yes, this is clear, but how can we make it clearer? And then when you take it that step further, it just adds confusion. So you need to know when to stop with your messaging and what is good enough. Um, and then something that would be helpful is just run it by people that aren't familiar with your brand. Um, so I would, I would talk to people that are familiar with your category and let them on your website, get their feedback and say, Hey, do you actually understand what we do? Um, or do you not, is this clear enough for you? Or is this just adding confusion and getting that feedback from potential buyers can be really insightful for companies and marketers to know, okay, you know what? We really kind of overthought this. Um, so as for why companies do it, I think it's, we just overthink it and, uh, you, you try too hard, um, to get the information out there when really you just have to simplify it and be okay with, wow, it really is just plain English here, what we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, it's it's kind of funny because we've kind of like answered the second question already, right? About, we're talking about common mistakes and misconceptions and certainly mm-hmm. you've brought up some of them, but can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, it's, it's mostly just companies over explaining, um, I guess is a better way to put it. Um, it's okay when it's simple. Um, and, and that's the thing is buyers want a simple answer. So when they come to your website and they're like, how does this company help me? A, a lot of times they're actually confirming what they're finding on social media. So if you've done, you're, you've built a demand uh, engine for what you're doing and then people are, they're familiar with what your brand does and they go to your website and it doesn't line up with the clear and simple message that you've put out over social media, uh, what your employees are saying about you and what some of your buyers are saying about you, that's just going to add to the confusion. So if you have a simple and clear message executed everywhere, except your website, imagine what that's doing to your buyers when they land on your website and they're like, wait, I thought I knew what this company did. And I, I was ready to maybe enter the buyer journey here, but now I'm kind of 
taken aback and, and not really sure because this website is is just a mess and absolutely confusing me. And again, I even thought I knew what this company did and now I don't. Yeah, no, exactly. You know what you, <laughs> it, with, that, with that explanation, you make me think of a really great analogy. It's it's almost like, you know, with the, with the whole over explaining bit, it kind of feels like, it feels like everybody's like so eager, like put out a 20 minute movie trailer. Right. I mean, like nobody does that. Right. So, and, 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 you know, why, why are the movie trailers that we, that we watch one or two minutes long? Because they want you to go and watch the movie. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's, and, and for me, it's kind of the same thing on a website, right? Like you don't want to put all the information, every conceivable thing about your company on the website, then what, what, what reason would they have to contact you then? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't okay. need all the information a lot of the times. Um, yes. And here's something that we recommend to companies is if you feel like you have to include that, just put it deeper into the site, keep your homepage or your landing page clean and lean. And then if you're trying to rank for SEO and you need to put all that fluff further in the site, which I really don't recommend, um, there are places to do that, but don't bog down the user experience right off the bat with all of that because it's totally unnecessary. Yeah, no, that's some pretty good advice. Um, I think uh, for the next question, I'm going to use the real estate analogy here, my friend. Um, real estate slash construction, whatever you want to call it. But um, mm -hmm. when it comes to B2B websites, and you've probably gotten this question in the past, or you're probably dealing with it now. Build from scratch or renovate what's, what's already there? Mm -hmm. uh, what are your recommendations? I am more of a build from scratch kind of guy when it comes to websites in the B2B space. And primarily because the the category and the industry uh, of B2B is just so fast moving. So your competitors are probably updating their website every, I mean, one to two years, a full redesign. Um, and if you're over here tinkering with, oh, maybe we should move this uh, testimonial section down below the feature section, then you're going to be behind the ball. And here are these companies looking innovative, staying with the times, staying with design trends, um, and staying, you know, in touch with whatever year you're in. If you're behind that, then you're in trouble. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't make micro changes to your website along along the way. I, I am a huge proponent of that. But there comes a time when you really need a full redesign. Uh, if you want to stay relevant uh, to your buyers, because buyers are smart, they're going to go to a website. And if it's from 2013, they're going to know they're going to see the design style. And they're going to go, Oh, this company, obviously is not very innovative. I wonder how their product is or how they're going to take care of me. So your website directly reflects what your brand um, is portraying. And if it's, again, really dated, then you're going to be in trouble. And your competitors, they are continuing to keep their website um, up to date every one to two years. So you got to stay with that. Yeah, no, th th that's absolutely right. Uh, um, speaking of which, you, you, you brought up an interesting topic about design trends. Could you, could you give us your list of like the, um, at least the ones for this year, like that you're, that you're seeing and that you yourself and your company are, um, are um, either applying or recommending to clients? Mm -hmm. um, one of my favorite is very simple. Uh, mm -hmm. So the, the theme is just, we want it clean. We want it clear, a lot of white space. And then something we're getting asked a lot to implement on websites are interactive designs. Um, and that just means that there are some movements on the site, but it's not intense. It's very subtle. 
um, background layers that kind of move as you scroll and just kind of pleases the eye. And again, we're going back to simple. Um, and then the, the other trend that I've seen starting to pop up on some sites is dark mode, um, which I think is kind of cool. Um, and we, we help companies with that too. So between simple and dark mode, those are the, the 2021 uh, trajectory of, of website design that, that we've seen. Okay. Wow. That's pretty cool. Um, I'd like to get your thoughts on this and you've probably read some of these reports already and like all the trends, um, you know, when, when it comes to websites and whatnot, but this is one that was written by McKinsey, right? So basically there's two points. So as a result of the pandemic, a lot of B2B firms um, have set goals to reduce costs and increase revenues. That almost seems like a given, but, um, and improve cash management through digital solutions. So, so I think that's the key word in that sentence, right? So, and they've also like surveyed a, you know, a group of B2B leaders. And, um, you know, as a result of that survey, they highlighted that most of these respondents expected to be able to meet with customers in person uh, by early 2022. I suppose in the United States, it might be a bit earlier. Um, certainly here in Canada, um, we can forget about in-person meetings at least until <laughs> next year. Yeah. Um, but they said, at least these people that were surveyed, 15% felt that such meetings um, would be the norm going forward. So my question to you is based on these, uh, you know, based on these uh, statistics or these findings from McKinsey, what are your thoughts on these? And how should websites um, be adapted to address these uh, shifts? Because there are clearly some massive shifts that have taken place in the past uh, 12, to eight, uh, 12 to 14 months, right? Mm -hmm. you, my belief with websites is that they need to be lean. And that has been my belief since before the pandemic. And I think that's been heightened now um, when companies are not doing so well and they need to cut costs and they can't go out and spend 150 grand on a website. And I don't think that companies need to do that um, as much as I'd like them to come to us and pay us 150K for a website redesign. Yes, we can do that for them, but it's pretty unnecessary. Um, so when it comes to cutting costs, going lean is one of the ways you can do that. It's cutting the fluff on the website. It's being more buyer centric because your buyers don't need 90% of the garbage on that website. And then on top of that, it's just being simple. It's going to be easier and cheaper for you to get a 10 page website that has the same exact effect as a 150 page website. Why not go with that if you're trying to cut cost? Um, so there are ways around it. And again, this isn't the, for me, this isn't something that I've been preaching since the pandemic. This has been before because I'm all for lean. I'm all for simple and I'm all for clean and easy and buyer centric. So for me, that's, that's just something that's been heightened for these companies. I guess they're starting to realize it more now than ever. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, uh, you, you know, just, um, just kind of like, uh, it serves as a nice segue into the next question, because like, you know, clearly, uh, the pandemic has um, affected a lot of industries. I think for industries like yours, it's probably more of a good thing because, you know, people are probably giving their, um, their websites, uh, more, I'm going to say airtime than they did in the past, um, because it's, uh, it's gotten at least a, a little bit more attention now. Um, but like, what, what kind of, uh, what kind of changes have you seen, um, that weren't there before? So for us, um, a little background on our agency, we used to really serve the small business, uh, world and which is great, but, um, their, <laughs> their need for a website apparently 
went down the drain when the pandemic happened because they were focusing on other things. So for us, it heightened the need to shift and go 100% into the B2B SaaS world when it comes to websites. Um, so that's that's how it changed our industry is we focus on, a, on an industry that is um, thriving instead of uh, the small business world where they it's a fight to even convince them that they need a website, let alone in a pandemic when they are struggling to make uh, ends meet. Um, so that was a shift that we that we made, we went 100% into the B2B world, um, you know, during the pandemic, and it's been it's been wonderful for us. Uh, you know, we it wasn't like we had not touched that industry before. Um, you know, we had some SaaS clients that we were we did websites for, but our focus was primarily the small business world. And if it wasn't for the pandemic, then we would not have been able to grow as an agency into you know, what we are today um, because we're focusing on companies that understand marketing, that value a website, and that are willing to invest in both of those things. Absolutely. And, and, and if I might add also um, that they appreciate um, the amount of work mm -hmm. um, and, and, and time and um, you know, effort that's required uh, for such an undertaking, because you know, let's let, let's face it, uh, revamping a website is no small feat, right? Mm -hmm. e even e even if you know, even if the even if the website does look simple, right? There's um there there's a, there's a lot of like stuff that goes on behind the scenes, right? Like in the back end, absolutely that people don't, don't don't know so much about, right? Um, what do you believe is um like one of the biggest challenges facing uh, websites for B two B right now? I would imagine commoditization might be one of them, right? I think the biggest challenge that, you know, B2B companies are facing is really that they all look the same. Um, so it's okay to deviate from a design trend that you see in the SaaS industry, just because Stripe does it. And just because Gong is doing it and just because Drift is doing it doesn't mean that you need to do it because there are going to be copycats out there. So that's like a caveat when it comes to a design trend, um, you know, for a year, let's say 2021, we see that, like I mentioned before, that interactive design and, and simple are kind of where companies are going. You have to be careful not to follow that to a T because there are companies out there, multiple companies doing the exact same thing. So if you look identical to all your competitors, then you're just losing in that vertical because you're, you look like all your competitors. So why not stand out a little bit? Why not do some things different? Um, and I think one gong has done that they're great at, uh, you know, standing out and being different, especially in the design world and drift. It's a pretty unique design. Um, but I see a lot of SaaS companies seeing what Asana or Slack or Monday.com are doing with their website, and then they copy it. And then all the SaaS websites look exactly the same. Um, I would just stay away from that because it's a pretty uh, nasty trap to fall into. Yeah, and no, I'm totally with you there, man. It's like, uh, it's, uh, it's a bit of like, you know, the me too positioning. Um, and also the uh, whole like, okay, how do you become the signal versus the noise, right? So, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> right. Um, what is the status quo or a uh, you know a commonly held belief in your area of expertise that you passionately disagree with, <laughs> and why? Uh, man, this one I'm gonna get uh, some Go feedback on. for sure. But <laughs> SEO is an, I I'm not a huge proponent of SEO. I don't think it's mm -hmm. the end all when it comes to marketing, sure. um, and you know, people think that website development and SEO go, SEO go hand in hand and uh, we don't do it and we don't even do it on our own website. Um, now, I do think it's a great tool when used properly and when you know that it's a fit for your company. So for example, when it's a commodity tool, um, 
like, let's say a $10 SaaS tool that people go on the internet and they search X. That is a great thing to pop up for. But from what I've noticed, when your product is more expensive and higher end, so we're talking 10, 15K, maybe even 50K a month in recurring revenue, um, that's when SEO, I don't think has a huge play because now buyers are looking to who do I know? Who do I trust? Who I've seen on social media? Who's putting out great content in organic channels that I've been consuming for months? Whose podcast do I listen to? And now I kind of know them and, and like them and trust them. SEO, like if you're just going to go to Google to buy a $150,000 website, I don't feel like that's going to happen. And I know that's not going to happen because we know our buyers. That's just not how that purchase is made. It's again, who do we trust? Who are we going to go to? Who do I know? Who have I been referred to? Um, and again, it's not one size, one shoe for everybody here. It's from what I found, the higher your product is in price, the less people are going to go to Google and just search it. There are other avenues that they're going to explore. Yeah, that's so true, though. I mean, like, you know, we, we, we've all we've all been on those websites where we know that they're just doing that for the SEO ranking, mm -hmm. or you, you're, you're on a page, and then suddenly you're like, okay, it's like four or five times in the paragraph, there's a link. It's like, okay, yeah. we're, we're just going to a man. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, one, one caveat that I would say is mm -hmm. you definitely need SEO for your brand, like the branded searches. Yes. Um, and that's something that we've, it's been important to us is when they, if you're working so hard in um, organic channels and you're driving demand or you're creating demand and you're driving traffic um, to your website, a lot of times they're just going to go to Google and search your name. And if you don't come up there, then you're in trouble, but we don't focus, you know, more than that. It's, it's for the branded searches that are important to us. Does your Google listing come up? Does your, your website come up? Um, that's what's important to us. Yeah, no, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, like, uh, you know, if I understood what you're saying correctly, it's, it's, you're not saying don't do SEO. You're just mm -hmm. saying like, do it properly. Right. Yeah. And know if it's something that you should go all in on mm -hmm. and know how your buyers are, are discovering your type of product. Well, yeah, I mean, it goes back to what you said at the beginning of this conversation, right? Empathy or, you know, putting yourself in the shoes of the customer. And if I am somebody looking to revamp my website, what are the questions that I'm going to have? Um, what am I looking for? And when I look for that so-called uh, service provider, um, what would I be asking them, right? What mm -hmm. would help me to pre-qualify them, right? I think it uh, might, might be the right term. And on top of that, it's, it's trust. Right. Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing when it comes mm -hmm. to especially our industry. Um, yeah. It's a very personal thing and a very uh, trust needing um, ex not exercise, but thing when it comes to a website. Right. So that's why I'm saying like a lot of our buyers are not going to go to Google. They're going to be like, who do I actually already know? Or who does my friend know that does websites? Because it's such a personal, like you need to trust your, your web developer. And it's the same. You need to think about what your industry does. Is it a quick, um, I don't have to think about it kind of purchase? Then SEO would probably be great because they're going to go to Google. Um, but the more personal and the more painful it is to fix the issue, the more expensive it is, that's when I don't think SEO comes into play as much. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And, um, you, you know, Sam, you've been giving so much great advice in the past couple of minutes, um, you know, during this conversation. But if you were to like summarize it into two things, right? 
What is the one thing that you think people should start and one thing that people should stop uh, when it comes to developing B2B websites? Mm -hmm. I'll be quick with this. So the first one that we should start is you need to have empathy for your buyer and be buyer centric on your website. Plain and simple. You have to make it easy for them when they get to your website to do business with you. Um, What you should stop doing is trying to sound smart on your website. Uh, Stop trying to impress your buyer with the lingo that you use. Just be clear and use the language that they're already using. Talk like they do. Um, That's the, the two simplest things what to start and what to stop when it comes to a, a B2B website. Oof, I think you ruffled a few feathers with that second one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a huge, huge proponent of the second one there. Big time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know you spoke about it a couple of minutes ago, but like, what would you say would be the right time for a company to like revamp their website? I mean, like, what was it every year, every two years, or what would you say would be the right time? We see in the SaaS world, every one to two years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one every every year is pretty aggressive, uh, but we do see companies uh, execute on that. And then another indicator that it's time for a website redesign, and this isn't the only one, is if you've recently rediscovered your ICP and you've redetermined your positioning and you have rewritten your messaging. Um, those are like core things that are implemented on a website. And if you just sat down with your marketing team and went through those, obviously a website uh, redesign is is coming up soon. So that's one uh, another indicator for us. Gotcha. Gotcha. Sam, um, you know, such great advice here. And, uh, you know, please do us the honor of um, introducing yourself and uh, rumor has it that you're, uh, you're a family business. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. Uh, it's no surprise what we build websites for B2B companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started this business with my dad uh, back in 2016. And then it was just the two of us doing like marketing activities for small businesses mm-hmm. and realized that we were spreading ourselves too thin. So mm-hmm. we uh, decided to focus on website development and design. And then obviously we touched on it, but the pandemic happened and we went 100% into the B2B world. Now we have a team of 13 developers below us um, handling the operations and we oversee the projects and uh, execute what the clients need. So that's yeah. a quick rundown on what I do. That's amazing, man. You guys have come a long way since 2016. Yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. And that's the shortened version. That's the that's the abridged the Cliff Notes version, right? Like- yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, this has been an awesome session. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing um, you know, your knowledge and your expertise with the audience. So speaking of which, what's the best way for somebody who needs a website revamp to get, you know, to get in touch with you? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to our website, oneclickagency.com. You can use the, the number or you can spell it out. It all goes to the same place. Uh, you can. I'm on LinkedIn every day. That's a big one for me. So you feel free to connect with me there. And then on top of that, we have a podcast um, called B2B Made Simple, which is yeah. uh, you know, a marketing podcast similar to this one. And yeah. that's another place to kind of get familiar with our brand and uh, learn more about marketing. Fantastic. Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks again for your time. So Take care, be safe, and uh, you know, look me up when you uh, when you make it over here and uh, you know to Toronto, and uh, you know we'll hang Absolutely, out. Absolutely, <laughs> man. All right, man. We got family up there, so as soon as the border is open and uh, full travel, then we'll be up your way. So sounds good. All right, take care. Thanks, Talk man. to you soon.